All right, boys and girls, here's a little fun one. This is Andy. Welcome back to another quick episode of Tangle Tales. Trying to fit as many of these in as I can while I'm sitting down and uh, have the time to do so. But I wanted to do something that was a little bit more uh, lighthearted, maybe not specific to Tanglefoot. uh, But, you know, it's something that I have probably, I've probably answered these questions a hundred times each over the, the last you know, nine years of doing this professionally. So I figured I would just do a quick little uh, Q&A with questions provided by none other, none other than myself that I wrote down when I was thinking about questions that I get often after answering questions that I got often with a customer. So um, yeah, I'm just going to blast through these, but I wanted to make this interactive and I'm not exactly sure how to do like a poll on Spotify or through the podcast. Maybe I'll just post it on Instagram. But uh, send me some some questions if you have any about Tanglefoot specifically or the beer industry or the brewing process or whatever it is. Send them. Uh, you can send them to Andy at TanglefootBrewing.com. You can message me on Instagram, Tanglefoot Beer, on Facebook at Tanglefoot Brewing. Or, um, yeah, I mean, you can contact me uh, in any way that you want that you know how to do. And uh, send me a question. Maybe I'll do a, another one with some questions from people that are listening to the podcast. But uh, yeah, here it goes. Thanks for uh, listening. And uh, I figured I'll answer some questions for you. So take a sip of some beer. Start off with a heavy hitter. What's your favorite beer to brew slash drink? So I've touched on this in the, I think, 13 degree Tamave recipe Wednesday, but um, I love brewing dark beers from a logistics, not logistics, from a like technical brewing standpoint. Stirring a mash with dark roasted malts is much more buoyant and fun, and it smells amazing. It's like the whole brewing experience. Also adding, um, adding classic American hops or noble hops to a boil is one of my favorite things ever to do. Just like immediate nostalgia of, you know, like a Sam Adams, Boston lager or a Sierra Nevada pale ale. Just, I love, love that part of the brewing process. So, um, definitely love brewing dark beers, but all in all, my favorite, uh, thing to drink is going to be a nice bitter hoppy pills, and uh, that's what I want to brew the most of so that I can drink the most of it. So that is uh, the answer to that question. How much does a beer cost? How much does this beer cost you? Um, <clears throat> it's kind of a loaded question. Um, the simple answer would be like a simple, you know, from an ingredients standpoint, a cost of goods standpoint, a glass of, let's say, lager from Tanglefoot is about 25 cents of just pure ingredients. And then I sell it for, you know, five to $6 to $8, whatever the beer is, uh, a glass, but there are, um, caveats to that. Uh, cost of goods does not represent like nearly, you know, doesn't represent most of the costs that are included in, in producing beer. So breweries uh, cost a lot of money to get started. Equipment costs are super high. Labor, obviously, is a high expense. Rent, utilities, um, specifically with brewing lagers, utility, it's a much more utilities um, 
in um, intensive um, process. Sorry, my phone just started ringing. Um, it's much more utilities intensive process because you are um, you're you're basically keeping something cold for two months versus keeping something sort of cold for two weeks uh, and then keeping it, it cold after that. But yeah, so much more uh, utilities costs than you would think. And then, um, you know, marketing, glassware, uh, building out a bar, uh, design work, creating labels, buying labels, buying cans, if you're going to do that, buying merch, um, buying shirts, uh, all of these things have cost and just, you know, just selling one pint of beer to one person and just the cost of ingredients that went into it. Sure. It's pretty, uh, pretty high margin product and pretty cheap to make on your own. If you had all the equipment already and you just wanted to make beer cheaper than you could buy at the store. But, uh, yeah, all in all, it's pretty, um, pretty high costs involved in, uh, creating good beer. All right. Next question. Another sip of lager. Are there too many breweries? Is our market saturated yet? How many is too much? So I get these questions a lot. Um, are we saturated is another one of those questions that are, it's kind of vague. Um, and it depends on your interpretation of what saturation means. Um, are there too many breweries? No, is the blunt short answer. Uh, the longer answer is, it depends on what the goal is for each of the, you know, what is it, 8,000 breweries that are in uh, the country now. Uh, in fact, I have this nice little sheet that I pulled up just so I could uh, do this. See, there's 2020 right here. Um, this is breweries by state, so I'm trying to scroll down to the bottom. It says, in 2020, there are... 12,532. Holy shit. That's a lot of breweries. <laughs> that is crazy. Uh, and for reference in 2010, which is if you're keeping up with math here, 10 years ago, uh, or 10 years prior to 2020, uh, there were 2,343 breweries. That is an insane amount of growth. That is crazy. Uh, there aren't many industries that you could point to that have seen this type of growth without seeing um, that immediately cannibalize other other uh, businesses. Although you could argue that, not argue, it's a fact that you know the beer space has grown, like beer as a beverage on the whole has grown over these years. But uh, the or craft beer has grown significantly, and but it, that has chipped away at the uh, percentage that the large macro breweries. Um, are seeing uh, in sales. So that's the one caveat to that. But the number of breweries has grown exponentially over the last 10 years. Um, are we saturated? It depends on the area uh, and it depends on the scale of the breweries, in my opinion. I think, can we have a thousand breweries in Texas? Sure. Texas is giant. There's thousands of cities or towns. Uh, each town can have their own brewery that serves just that neighborhood, just that town. Austin can have a hundred breweries that serve the hundred neighborhoods or however many neighborhoods are here. But when you're talking about opening breweries that are automatically uh, gearing up for large production distribution, um, you know, a, a, a draft focused 
uh, brewery and every, you know, the 2010s was a great example of a bunch of breweries in the state of Texas because Texas has, has been and still is a little bit underserved as far as breweries per capita and, and beer produced per capita on the uh, craft beer standpoint, especially for a state that drinks so much beer, drink a lot of macro lagers. Um, there were tons of breweries that opened up with giant capacities that were that opened with a 30 barrel brew house and immediately grew to having uh, 60 barrel tanks, 180 barrel tanks or, or whatever the the arbitrary number is that I just made up. But um, their their growth was crazy because in the, the 2010s, the early 2010s, uh, yeah, craft beer was on fire. It's been growing double digit numbers for since I've been in the industry, except for the most recent years. Um, so that model kind of like instigated a lot of, lot of businesses to start opening that way, but that's not how that's not sustainable. So like, we can't have a thousand brewers in Texas that produce 400,000 barrels of, of beer a year, a 10,000 barrels of beer a year. It doesn't make any sense. Um, maybe 10,000, but anyways, um, yeah, having more locally focused, smaller brew, brew pubs, tap rooms, uh, neighborhood neighborhood breweries, I think is definitely the future of this industry. And, um, and if that is the trend that we're going to see, then no, we don't have too many breweries. Um, but as far as capacity is concerned, the volume of beer that's being produced by these, you know, whatever, however many new, like in this column here, it just in from 2020 to 2021, there's 13,380, uh, according to this list, which is almost a thousand more breweries. So with that growth, and uh, if those those capacities, those those volumes start um, keep staying the same production brewery standpoint, then yeah, there will be too much beer. And there will be uh, closures, there's already closures, there's closures every year. Um, the pandemic is going to kill a lot of businesses, specifically uh, restaurants, but there will be a lot of breweries that close as well, in my opinion that we're not seeing the effects of that um, because they're still hanging on to dear life with PPP funds or have exhausted those, but are still just kind of like on a shoestring budget. But that was a very long answer uh, to, but a very good question and something that, you know, there is no right answer. Um, you know, there, there could be any number of breweries, um, but if their volumes are in check with the amount of beer that's being consumed, in a certain marketplace, then, you know, that's fine. As long as people are buying the amount of beer that is enough to keep them uh, operating in a sustainable way, then who cares how many there are. But if there's, like I said, again, I'll use this one last example and move on. If there's 10,000 breweries in Austin, Texas, that are all trying to be in have a keg of their beer in every single bar within the 30 mile radius, then no, that's not sustainable. So uh, that's my take on it. Uh, I think it is all about how you interpret the term saturation. Um, how can I get into the beer industry? Well, uh, there are plenty of jobs um, that I've seen posted recently specifically. And I think that now is a better time than ever to get into the industry. However, I would caution anybody that wants to do something, not just get in the beer industry, but anything that looks like it's fun and, uh, and you know, all good things to, to really dive into what it looks like from 
an economic standpoint and from a long-term uh, career standpoint. So the beer industry is amazing. The people that are in this industry make it so amazing. You get to, from you know, at least from my perspective, I get to do what I love to do. I get to create a product that I can consume and other people can consume and it brings them joy and it fits into you know, most people's lives as something that they can relate to. But in general, compared to other industries, it's a lower paying industry, uh, even though that uh, over the counter margin, like I was saying, the, the, you know, 25 cents to make a glass of beer margin seems nice. Uh, the capital expenditures that are, it takes to make a business operate are very high. Um, when you begin to be a production brewery, uh, your marketing costs are driven up significantly. Your margin is driven down significantly. If you're packaging, um, you're no longer, or you're not focusing on selling beer over a bar at high margin. You're focusing on selling beer at very low margin and cans or kegs. And, um, so there's not a ton of money in it for employees. Um, generally speaking, it's not the most, um, you know, it's not the most, um, yeah, it's not the highest wages or benefits, but you get to do something that you love. Um, the lifestyle can be a little, you know, tricky depending on what sector, if you're, you know, if you're in distribution, if you're, uh, if you're a sales rep, if you're actually a, a brewer, you know, the drinking can be something that negatively affects uh, certain people. Uh, but it seems like a huge perk whenever you're just on the outside doing a job that you hate. Um, but the great thing about this industry is that there are so many awesome people and my advice to everybody um, that wants to get into the industry is to go to your local breweries, all of them or some of them are a handful, and uh, go introduce yourself, hang out, drink beer, talk to people, introduce yourself some more, hang out, drink beer, talk to people, and there will be connections made. Um, apply for jobs if you think that you are qualified, like <clears throat> packaging or um, mild seller work. Entry-level positions are a great way to get your foot in the door. Sales rep positions are a great way to get your foot in the door at smaller, locally-owned breweries. And yeah, just grow from there. And if you're truly interested, um, you know, a lot of people get interested in the like hot side, which I call it, like brewing the beer, like mashing in and making work. People are like enthralled with that part of the brewing process, but like there's cellaring, there's, there's keg washing, there's, um, canning, there's cleaning, there's cleaning, there's cleaning, there's lifting heavy things, there's cleaning, there's, uh, you know, moving barrels, there's going on sales calls, there's marketing, there's so many different facets of this industry that it's not, you know, it's not just this one thing that, uh, you'll, you'll, you know, at least not on a small scale, you're not going to be responsible for just, mashing in and, and boiling wort and then forgetting about it. <clears throat> so, uh, anyways, yeah, just go talk to people. And if you really want to get in the industry, I believe that, uh, just keep following up with people and getting your name out there and just do it. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, physical labor and, uh, yeah, it's hard work, but it's fun. Um, last one, or at least the last one that I've written down, should I start a brewery? This is a, a topic that is, again, up to your own interpretation. But there are, according to this chart that I referenced earlier, 13,380 
people slash groups of people slash um, giant companies that have already done it and are making great products, or most of them are, uh, that are probably thinking of the same pun for that hazy IPA that you've thought of. And uh, do, do you need to? Depends on what your goal is. Do you want to drink good beer? Well, if that's your goal, no, you don't need to start a brewery. If you want to pursue a very specific niche thing that you don't see in a marketplace that is near you, or at least not executed in the way that you think is a better way that you think you could capitalize on and uh, make a profitable, sustainable business out of, then yeah, absolutely. Why not? Um, if you plan on opening a production brewery that is going to brew <clears throat> the same four beers that um, every other production brewery within five miles of your house brews and distributes and your quality is not going to be any better. It's going to be the same and it's going to be average. And you think that you, for some reason you're a God's gift to uh, craft beer, even though you've never brewed professionally or worked at a brewery in your life, then no, you shouldn't start a brewery. But again, these, uh, you know, these are conversations that we need to have and I'm happy to, uh, to, be super negative with somebody that I think is a, has a very short-sighted view of, of what it means to open a brewery. But I'm also super happy to be really positive with somebody that has done their research and has been working at it and has a lot of knowledge and passion, specifically passion. If you're not passionate about what you're working on and you want to start a business, make a business out of it, uh, people throw this line around a lot, which I don't agree with, that, oh, you'll never get rich owning a brewery or you'll never make money owning a brewery. Well, that's bullshit and defeatist. And if you are serving the market in a way that's better than most other people, then yeah, you can make money. But if you're not passionate about something and you think that it's just a money play, like I can get in on craft beer and make money with it, that'll die out. You know, you'll, you'll spend all your money and, and you'll get bored with the amount of hard work that it takes to actually make a long lasting business and a brand. And, um, yeah, so I, I hope that that answered some of those questions. And uh, yeah, I got a little hot there at the end. That little little uh, attitude in that answer. But hey, that's what I'm here for. You know, I can uh, I can talk to you all day about numbers, but you know, you're really listening for my uh, sunny disposition and my my hot takes on things. So I'll keep uh, coming at it with some more more answers and some more uh, questions from hopefully y'all send them in. I'd love to answer some more specific questions or broad questions. If you want to hear my opinion about something that is related to Tanglefoot or not. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. That's another podcast in the books. It wasn't a quick one. Actually, I said it was going to be, and I was wrong. So I had fun though. Thanks for listening. Hope you're doing well. Spread the love, share this on something. If you want to have other people listen to it or don't, and uh, I'll catch you back for the next episode. Thanks for joining. Night.